Hello, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 5 of Dr. Music. I am Matthew Marullo. Thank you so much for joining me again. Today, we're going to be looking at some Lieder. You know what that is? That's plural for songs in German. So these are art songs written by, obviously, German composers like Franz Schubert. And in particular, we're going to be looking at one song from his song cycle, Winterreise, Winter Journey. Now, with a lot of these song cycles by German composers like Robert Schumann or Franz Schubert, the protagonist is usually a lovesick man wandering around, bemoaning his ill fate. These are songs often about unrequited love. So I can't say they're happy songs. A lot of them are sentimental. The man is kind of remembering the good old days, the happy times when he was in love and everything was just peachy, uh, but now everything has gone sour. Now, that's a generalization. You know, not all the song cycles are like that, but many of them are. And they're called song cycles because the songs have a common theme, like Winterreise, Winter Journey, are a set of 24 songs set to a texts by the poet Wilhelm Muller about a man who's just wandering around during the winter and feeling very sorry for himself. And before I said art songs, these are considered art songs because they've survived so many generations. They're not your usual song. It's, it's not just that they have great melodies. They do have very memorable melodies. But what makes them art songs is that the music vividly portrays what the text is about in some way. And in some cases, it's not immediately apparent. You have to really listen carefully. And knowing music theory really helps sometimes so that you could really understand the poetry within the music as it relates to the text. Now, there are plenty of pop songs out there that are written very well such that the music itself really conveys what's happening in the lyrics. So this is not just limited to classical music. Um, I bring up Franz Schubert just because out of all the songwriters in all classical music, he's considered one of the best. He really is. He and also Robert Schumann. By the way, Beethoven wrote some songs too. He's not really known for his songs, but he wrote some great leader as well. And remember, whenever we discuss masters like Schubert, we're talking about them because their music has survived the test of time. These pieces are timeless. They're written about and performed over and over again. And you can bet that'll be true long after we're all gone. That's how great people achieve immortality, right? Their name just lives on forever. So the particular song that we're going to be looking at today from Winterreise is called Auf dem Flusse, which means on the river. And what I'm going to do first is I'm going to read you the text, and I'm going to tell you the strophe number as I do that. In other words, the verse. Strophe is just another word for verse in a song. Or in poetry, you could think of it as a stanza. Okay, you ready? Strophe one. You who rippled so merrily, clear, boisterous river, how still you have become. You give no parting greeting. Strophe two. With a hard, rigid crust, you have covered yourself. You lie cold and motionless, stretched out in the sand. Strophe three. On your surface I carve with a sharp stone the name of my beloved, the hour and the day. Strophe four. The day of our first greeting, the date I departed, 
around name and figures a broken ring is entwined. Strophe 5. My heart, do you now recognize your image in this brook? Is there not beneath its crust likewise a seething torrent? And then he repeats strophe 5. Okay, the key idea we have to remember when we're talking about Schubert's setting to this text is that he's comparing a frozen river, where the surface is frozen, to his frozen heart because he misses his beloved. That's the key idea. Okay, the first thing that I'd like to do is listen to just the first strophe or first stanza of the song. This is sung by Dietrich Fischer Dieskau. Okay, that strophe was divided into two distinct parts. The first part was, in English, you who rippled so merrily, clear, boisterous river. And then there's a change. It gets softer and the tonality changes. And that's where he sings, how still you have become. You give no parting greeting. Now, in this first strophe, there are two very important keys that I'd like to talk about. First of all, the entire piece is in the key of E minor. Now, you probably know that the minor mode is, in general, darker in quality. That's not to say that there are no minor mode pieces that can sound very happy and bright. But in general, I would say most people would agree that the minor mode has a darker quality in sound than the major mode. And that's very appropriate for this piece, because the theme of this piece is a man wandering around in winter reminiscing about his lost love. So... The piece is in E minor, but then the second part of that strophe is a little bit lower in the key of D sharp minor. Now, D sharp is a half a step below E minor. In other words, one piano key below E minor. It's a black key. E is a white key. And beyond that, D sharp, the note D sharp, is very significant in the key of E minor and also E major, but of course we're in E minor right now. D sharp is what's called the leading tone of E minor. The leading tone is one of the notes in the dominant. And you remember from many, many prior episodes of this podcast that the dominant triad is associated with tension. And triads have three parts. They have a root, a third, and the fifth, three notes. And the middle note, of the dominant triad is called the leading tone. It's called the leading tone because that particular note wants to lead up. It wants to resolve up one piano key to whatever key we're in. So in this case, we're in the key of E minor. The whole piece is in the key of E minor. The leading tone, which is D sharp, wants to go up a half step and it wants to resolve to E. And remember what I said before, Schubert changes the key halfway through this first strophe from E minor to D sharp minor. So he changed the key, in a sense, to the leading tone. In other words, the, the leading tone 
in E minor is D sharp, and he changes the key to D sharp minor, and that's very significant. So I just want to play what that sounds like on the piano. Okay, so we start out in the key of E minor. That's the key of E minor. Now the leading tone is D sharp, which is this. And that, like I said, wants to go up to E by half step. It leads up to E, like this. If I harmonize those chords, it sounds like this. Now, like I said, halfway through that first strophe, he changes the key from E minor to D sharp minor. So he goes from this to this. E minor to D sharp minor. Remember that D sharp is related to E minor. It's the leading tone in the original key. Now, what does this all mean poetically? Well, he repeats this key relationship again with the same music in the second strophe. So he really just uh, repeats the music, but the lyrics are different. And the text goes like this in the second strophe, just to remind you. With a hard, rigid crust, you have covered yourself. You lie cold and motionless, stretched out in the sand. So what the poet is doing is he's relating the river to the protagonist's heart. The river has a frozen, solid crust, and underneath is the river itself. The poet's heart has a frozen, solid crust as well. So when the, the key, which starts out in E minor, because, you know, the guy is sad, starts out in E minor, it goes a little bit below E minor to D sharp. And D sharp is the leading tone. And it wants to resolve up. So we have this idea of the surface and a little bit below the surface. In other words, we have this idea of the frozen crust and a little bit below the frozen crust. And that D sharp, which is a little bit below the frozen crust, wants to resolve up. Because remember, D sharp is a very tense note. It's part of the dominant triad. And the question is, when it does resolve up, is it going to finally resolve to sad E minor or perhaps happy E major? In other words, underneath there's a flowing river, but when you get to the top, will it be a layer of ice or will it be thawed out? Now, before we go on, let's listen to the second strophe, which, remember, is the same music as the first strophe. <laughs> Now, let's remind ourselves what the third strophe is. The text is, On your surface, surface of the river, I carve with a sharp stone the name of my beloved, the hour and the day. And then the fourth strophe is, The day of our first greeting, the date I departed. Around name and figures, a broken ring is entwined. Hmm, I wonder if that broken ring that he carved in the ice is his broken heart. But let's see 
what the beginning of the third strophe sounds like. Now, there's a couple of things I'd like you to notice about that music. First of all, we are not in E minor, we're in happy E major, because he's remembering his beloved. Remember, he says, on your surface I carve with a sharp stone the name of my beloved. Not only that, did you notice that the rhythm of the accompaniment, in other words, the left hand of the piano, is a little more animated? That means his heart is beating faster when he's thinking of all these happy memories. Remember in the beginning, the left hand was just going thump, 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 kind of like a slow oompa. That's the slow beat of his heart. But now his pulse is accelerating with these happy memories. All right, now let's listen to the fourth strophe, which is still in E major. And that ended with a zero, which is just a pause or a break between lines. Now, that last chord you heard in the piano was a dominant chord. Yes, a very, very tense chord. So what happened in this last strophe is the piano accompaniment got even more animated. It did what's called triplets. Da, 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 da. It wasn't doing that before. And why is that? Because our protagonist's heart is beating even faster when he thinks even more of his beloved. Because remember, the text in this strophe was the day of our first greeting. He's thinking of the day of their first greeting. But then he says, the date I departed, around name and figures, a broken ring is entwined. So that's when he carved in the ice uh, a broken ring, which of course signifies his broken heart. And then let's listen to the last strophe, which is repeated, by the way. Oh, oh, oh. 
Okay, you ready for this? This really brings it all together. Now, what happens here in the last two strophes is really just one strophe that's repeated, is the melody is transferred into the left hand of the piano. And it's the original E minor melody that the voice was singing in the beginning, which is just transferred to the piano. And what does the voice do in the strophe? He asks two questions. And here's the two questions. First, my heart. Do you now recognize your image in this brook? And the second question is, is there not beneath its crust likewise a seething torrent? Now, what note does the voice land on at the ending of both of those questions? Think about that. If you said D-sharp, you're right. Remember, D-sharp is first the leading tone of the original key of the piece, E minor, and it's also the third of the dominant triad. It's called the leading tone, and the leading tone is actually the middle note of the dominant triad, so that is an unresolved note, D-sharp. But then, remember, the second part of the strophe, just like in the beginning, modulates the key to the key of D-sharp minor. So that leading tone I just told you about becomes a new key, the key of D-sharp minor. And both of those questions end on a note that's associated with unresolved tension, which is perfect. It's really a perfect note to end both of those questions on. And then he repeats the second question. He repeats, is there not beneath its crust likewise a seething torrent? And this time, the last note of the vocal melody is E, the key of the piece. But we're in E minor, not happy E major. He's not reminiscing anymore about those wonderful lost days where he was with his beloved. No, the true key of this piece is E minor. So that unresolved D sharp resolves to E minor. Now, when he repeats that strophe, he actually ends the questions on different notes, but those different notes are still very tense notes. It's maybe not D-sharp, but they're notes associated with tension, so trust me on that. So what we have here is we do have a frozen crust of the river, underneath which is a seething current. Not flowing gracefully, it's seething, just like the crust of his heart is frozen, and underneath there are seething torrents because he's really worked up at the end of the piece. And remember I was talking about the left hand, how it had the original melody? The right hand has even faster rhythms than it did in the E major section, because now his heart is beating even faster, but it's beating faster because he's very anxious and very upset and very stressed out, because he knows that his life has turned into, sadly, E minor, not E major. Also, at the beginning of those last two strophes, when he says, Mein Herz, my heart, it's on B, and B is the root of the dominant chord. The root of the dominant is B. The third, in other words, the middle note, is the all-important D sharp. So, unrequited, unresolved love, there's that B. And the piano part, at the very, very end, the top note of the chord is B because this is just unresolved. What's going to happen to this guy? We really feel for him. Maybe he should go on one of those reality TV shows and get set up with someone. What do you think? No, I'm not much of a reality TV buff, let me tell you. So I think you could see, just from this quick analysis of this piece, that 
the art song or the lead, plural leader, they are really something. There's a lot more to them than just a recognizable melody. And the melodies that Schubert writes and also Schumann, are, they're very beautiful melodies. They're very memorable. But there's, there's a lot going on there poetically. And the only way to fully appreciate the poetry of the music is to do what we just did, to delve right into it and look at it from a theoretical standpoint. And it opens up a whole new perspective that most listeners would miss because they just haven't studied this kind of stuff. They, you know, they might have heard the music, but it's much more enlightening and fulfilling when you know the correlation between the poetry and the music. And the next time that you listen to a song, it could be anything. It could be a piece of classical music. It could be popular music. Is it just a pretty melody, something that you just enjoy singing? Or is there some kind of very clever and interesting relationship between the text that's being sung and the music that's conveying it? I like a great melody just like the next person. I'd like to, you know, I'm not a great singer, but I do like to sing memorable melodies. But my favorite type of song is one where there is some kind of poetic relationship between the text and the music. For me, it's just much more meaningful. Well, if you enjoyed this lead by Schubert, you might want to check out Winterreise, the complete song cycle. And again, the recording is Dietrich Fischer Dieskau. It's a Phillips recording, and the pianist is Alfred Brendel, who's known mainly for his Beethoven recordings. Hope to see you next time, because one thing about Dr. Music, it just gets better and better. <laughs>